Tuesday evening. Welcome to another edition of the Sideline Junkies Tuesday Night Flight. It's me, it's me, it's the big guy KG sitting in with the incomparable, the undefeated. Oh, we called him insatiable last week. Mr. Love TKO himself, the Midnight Rider. <laughs> What's up, man? What's going on? Hey, what's going on? Then you got the boss, BJ, keeping the lights on. You see all this bright light that I got on. He's sitting in the dark, but I got light. So that shows how much of a sacrifice the boss makes. Every time, baby. Works. I love it. I love it. How you feeling tonight? Hey, I'm great, man. I am great. Ready to get this show going. Good, good, good. I'm glad you are because we got a hot topic to start off with tonight. Bradley Bill is under investigation by the NBA for an altercation. Not an alteration, an altercation that he had uh I believe it was last night. Let me pull this back up. Uh-oh. Pull this back up real quick because this is on Bleacher Report. <sighs> I'm going to let you two gentlemen have it first because I got a lot to say on it. But um, Wizards Bill under under police investigation for altercation with fans. Uh, reading this off Bleacher Report again. Washington Wizards star Bradley Bill is being investigated by police in relation, in relation to his involvement in reported confrontation with fans during the game last week. So it was last week. Uh, Per TMZ Sports, the Orlando Police Department is investing a complaint file about 24 hours after the Wizards' 122-112 loss to the Orlando Magic on March 22nd. Uh, TMZ noted the altercation began when Bill was walking to the locker room tunnel and a fan yelled at him, you fucked me out of $1,300, you fucked. Bill then turned, walked towards the fans, and appeared to knock the hat off one of the guys' heads in response to the heckle. TMZ reported, Bill and the fans then jawed back and forth with Bill calling the comment disrespectful. Things were tense between Bill and the group with the men exchanging, exchanging a flurry of words before the wizard star was ushered into the locker room without further incident. Uh, I'm going to give it to the boss, BJ, first. You're a wizard fan. I want to hear what you got to say first. You know what's so hilarious? I lost out on the parlay the same day because the Wizards didn't cover the spread versus Orlando. When you said Orlando, that that was the first game on my parlay and it knocked me out of the rest of the parlay. So, um, look, y'all know how I feel about the real deal Bradley Bill. I'm surprised he played that game. Um, I just went through Bleach Report. It, from what I see, it doesn't look like he – I went back like six games. He hasn't played at least five or six games. Um, so I won't get into my how I feel about Bill on this episode, but at no point heckling um, warrants you touching a fan. It's just not it's just not acceptable. Now, if he spit on him or something else, I say go all at it. If you can get to him, or you can wring his neck. Even if even if we talk about Bradley Bill, go do it. They, no fan, nobody, no fan or player has a right to put their hands on you, spit something at you, throw something at you. That's not what we come to game for. We come to the game. We talk our shit in, in tasteful fashion, you know, because we've seen uh, videos of fans talking shit, you know, crap to to another player, and it's in and it's in good taste. And they talking back to him, they hit a shot, and they they point to him or whatever. And then you've seen plenty of times after a game, they you know he give him a high five, or he just give him some dap, man. You got us, you know. That's why we come to these games, you know. Same with same thing with WWE. You can put up your signs where you used to be. Able. You put up your signs. You can say what you want. But these guys are here to entertain you. And uh, then some people go too deep with the parlays and the betting. Look, I get 
you, you, you put some money on there, you lost. That's part of betting. You got to be ready to lose and move on and bet the next day. Um, you know, you get into a, a character with WWE and some people take it too far and they, they take it to real life. <laughs> you know, you can't do that. But Bill was wrong and the, the NBA got to throw down some punishment and not that weak ass John Morant punishment that they just gave him. They have to throw down some punishment because this is dangerous. You're going to get this forever. Sports betting is, is evolving. It's massive. These states are making a massive amount of money. It's not going to stop. It's just going to get more and more in-depth de- in and detailed. You, know, you can bet how many steps out of the tunnel this person is taking to the, to the seat. So, yeah, Bill is wrong. And I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, I mean, he get hit with a 10 or 15 game suspension. It's not like he's going to play any of them games anyway. So it's like uh, it's not a loss for the Wizards. Midnight Rider? Uh-oh, we, we got you choppy. I said, imagine if he had that kind of fight when it came to a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, ridiculous. Um, I, I'm just, I'm normally pro Bill. I, I have, I had, I've had his back for a minute, but this is stupid. Like the guy just said what he said. It was about the money. Um, let it be, because you're gonna get that now. Since all these states have all this gambling, you're gonna get that every night, every week. It's gonna be a constant thing. So you just gotta be ready for it, because he cost me and like one of my coworkers. He has a trash can, and every time somebody screws up his parlay, their name gets put on the trash can. So, of course, Bradley Bill is on there a couple times, but it's just one of those things. Like, sports betting, you got to let the guy have his because he probably had a parlay. You were probably the last leg, and all he needed was your dumb ass to get 20 points or 25 points, like I've had you a couple times, and you show up with 19, you show up with 17. So, it's I mean, I get it, but – I think the fan was a little wrong because he went too far, but I get the I get the I get it because I've had those bad beats. Um, so, I mean, but that comes with the territory, and that might be part of the problem is some of these fans aren't used to the gambling aspect, and you got a bunch of newbies in there that don't understand the rules. I mean, the guy, I mean, it ain't gonna be perfect. You if you do a parlay, you expect some leg to fall. Exactly. At least you didn't have the um, Alabama parlay. The first night of the tournament, where the guy shoots the three pointer and they missed the over, I mean, missed the um 22 and a half. At least you ain't had that happen. And then, That's and then things, them things are going to happen, you know. And Midnight Rider made a good point. You got a lot of new people signing up and they put this money down and expect it to be guaranteed. It's not, it's a, it's a chess match, and you gotta do your research. You got to look at some numbers and stuff and make your best educated decision when you put your parlay in or bet, whatever you're doing. Just like when we make our picks during the football season, we make our tournament brackets. Well, some of us made our tournament brackets. Right, right, right. Not everybody not gets everybody a bracket or you know. their picks in. Because sometimes the computer, if you if you don't, just so you know, if you don't hit send, your picks don't go in. Just yeah. so you know. Yeah, you yeah. have to hit that button to, and you have to get that confirmation. You know what? Right. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna take a picture of my of my bracket once we finish this because I pulled up I pulled up both my men's and my women's bracket. Thank you very much. 
It does us no I'm, good. And no, it doesn't do us no good because I'm ranked 38,000 out of how many? <laughs> like, I am so far down. There is no coming back. I, I might be in the million, so it, it ain't no problem. I don't even know where I'm at. I just know I still got Miami. I had Miami winning the championship on my bracket, but I don't – they got to play UConn. And you, 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 you in shape. You might as well go look at that because you better than half the country. Well, all I got is UConn. That's the only team I got left. Yeah. So. But uh, with this Bradley Bill situation, and we'll talk about the Sweet 16 next, but with this Bradley Bill situation, I feel what you guys are saying. I'm just on the other end of it. I'm not – you're not going to come to my job and be mad at me that I did the best that I could, but it wasn't enough to win you money. But you called me, you know, you fucking screwed me out of 13,000, 1300, whatever it was. And then you called me a fuck. Oh, them fighting words. And one thing I always say about Bradley Bill, and I think I, I can't remember who I had this conversation with Bradley Bill, John Wall, uh, Russell Westbrook. These are guys that you keep thinking it's just all about this NBA stuff. And I'm just gonna leave it right there. Sometimes you can't talk shit to certain people. Now you you can't, and I understand what you're saying. But once you become a professional athlete, just like we heard the stories of Boston, whether it's the Patriots or the Celtics, and guys getting you know racially harassed up there, you you have to keep your composure. And there's some guys like the, the first name to come to hit my head is Marcus Peters. There's some guys that you just if you're a fan and you have any type of knowledge of this guy, you leave him alone because he's going to come in the stands. You know, it, it ain't, he ain't wired right all the way. And it, it, it you know, it's, it, it is what it is. You leave him alone. And but Ron Artest, another Artest. Yeah. Artest. And, you know, you go back, you know, guys like Oakley and McDaniel, you know, some, some mm -hmm. other names. It's just certain guys. You just, you dap them up. Hey, good rebound, man. You, you rooting for the other team. You just don't want this guy in your face. <laughs> you know? But let me say this, and I'm going to say this. I know we're going to move on. And this isn't because of this incident. If the Wizards want to move on as an organization, they have to move this guy. Because this guy, this, would, this is what I was saying when they signed the contract. They're in 10th they're place. They're out of the play-in. 11th place. They're out of the play-in right now. They're out of the plan. And you just signed a guy for $250 million. And they have a decent team, but they don't have a $250 million guy that's putting up 17 points and 19 points a game. If you if you give me the rest of the, the year to get in shape, I can put up 15 points a game in the NBA. And I'm not saying that to be funny and, oh, no, nah, you don't know. This. Yeah, I can. I can. I, I know I can. I know but you can. If you pay $250 million, I need you to average in the upper 20s and points per game. I need you to be the guy that when we're down five, it's on your back, and you can pull us back, and then Porzingis and Kuzma and the other guys can come in and pull in the help. But this is turning into Porzingis and Kuzma's team. It's just like this guy's never there, and I'm so tired of saying that. It's just it's, – it's like, it's like talking to a wall. And, you know, I know – as an organization, I know Tommy Shepard sees it. They have to figure out something because this isn't working. Off-season well, conversation. Um, <laughs> is, is this because we've had three guys, Spencer Dinwiddie, 
You had um not Deleon Wright. Was it Deleon Wright? It's they had they've had these three guys come in here since um everything happened, and each person has had some kind of issue, or this team has looked like they're out of sync and there's no chemistry. So is it Bradley Bill or is it Wes Unsell Jr.? I mm. think I think it's it, I think it's 60-70% Bill. Because if you go back to Bill's history, when him and Wall were talking all they junk to the league and they hadn't made it out the second round, I think it's the that mentality, like, I made it. I'm a superstar in this league. I made it all-star game, this, that, and the other. Okay, great. You haven't done anything. You haven't done anything, just like Carmelo Anthony. You haven't done anything in this league but just shoot 50 shots a game. You know, and, it, and, and it's a clip rolling around where Carmelo's talking about they talking about Kobe in the Olympics and what time he was getting them a Carmelo. Like, man, 4.30 is too early for me. You know, and that's the mentality that's keeping the, your team back. You're not willing to go that extra mile. Bill's one of those guys. I keep saying he needs to go to the Lakers where he could be behind Anthony Davis and LeBron James and not have the shadow on him. He could just put up his 15 to 25 points to help those guys or to the Clippers or the heat or somebody somewhere where he's not the dog. He's not a dog. He's not a dog. He never will be this team. I'm going to say it again before we move on. This team will never win a championship with number three out there. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Well, we haven't won one in 50 years. So, I mean, just number. It, it ain't been quite 50 years. It's about 43, 44, 44. So, uh, I just I I don't like if parlays are going to make fans act like this. I think we need to get rid of. If you can't keep yourself in control, that's that's blasphemous, brother. It was, right, that's and, and I know it's, right. it's a money grab. It, it's I, a money grab. But now, I, as a but. I can. I know for a fact that you wouldn't act like that because you play parlays. You're not going to act like that to the point where you're cussing somebody out because they didn't get the last leg of your parlay. And they may have cost you, if they cost you sixty five thousand dollars, you're not going to act like that because you can't you can't miss what you can't measure. You're not going to act like that, and probably sixty seven percent of the privacy of my own home. Yes, that's different. In the privacy of my own home. He's gonna be every kind of, and I expect that. Right. He's gonna be every kind of punk. <laughs> everything. <laughs> he gonna be everything. But that's in the privacy right. of your own home. If he was standing in front of you right now, you would still show him the respect. Right. And say, yeah, I had you tonight. <sighs> Couldn't get it. Yeah, I'm gonna be mad. But next time, you got me next yep. time. And as a man, as an NBA player, people can respect that. Right. But. If you're going to go to the game and you're going to berate these players because you didn't make the right parlay, it's on you. That's why it's called gambling, because you took a gamble. I don't feel sorry for the dude, and I hope Bradley Bill gets off scot-free. Moving right he along. Should. Oh, he should. Both Final Fours are set. We're going to start with the men's Final Four first. Number nine, Florida Atlantic versus San Diego State. Uh, number five, San Diego State. Number five, Miami of Florida. Versus number four, UConn. I only got one question for these teams. 
Sing it, baby. Sing it. Come on, Deborah. Give it to me. Watch that time. Watch that time. Oh, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. But we finally got our Deborah Cox Final Four. How did you get here? Nobody, anybody that had, hopefully, he, he nine times ten, he probably got a call. Okay. But um, anybody that had, I had UConn. I had UConn. I told you, there you go. I had UConn. I had uh, San Diego State losing, Florida Atlantic losing, Miami losing. UConn's the only one that I had. Anybody that had this thing like this, you are a goddamn genius, Gump. No, I think you just played – I think you played like 25 cards and like you was bound to be right. Um, This tournament, we we had a conversation when we was doing the pregame, the pre-tournament. If you remember – I was like, Miami will be dangerous because they're an older, more mature team. Well, I didn't know that um, San Diego State was going to be that team because they're coached by Steve Fisher. So they're still balling. And then FAU, the, the scary thing about FAU is nobody's, I don't think they have but one senior. So FAU possibly, if they don't get big heads, they could possibly be back in this scenario again. Mm-hmm. Because the North Carolina Tar Heels should have been here, but they decided that everybody wanted to take shots, and they didn't want to feed Bandicoot, Bandicoot, Bangkok, whatever his name is. Um, but that's that was their problem. They didn't want to play basketball inside out. So, you know, Caleb Love, bye-bye. Thank you. Don't let the door hit you and the door split you. Um, but back to this, this Final Four, I think this is where we're going to be going forward because you can put a team together over a, a three-week stretch, I mean, a, a three-month stretch in the summer and find you some guys. And if they just buy in, you can get there. Look at what um, K-State did. That team was put together with Band-Aids and toothpicks, and they became a team, and they should have beat FAU. They just ran out of gas, and then those just felt like he was Steph Curry at certain points when they should have just stuck to their offense. But it's – this is where we are now in March. March is the Kentuckys of the world, the one and dones that have five better um, young guys than you. That's dead. That's dead. We are now in the point where I give you two good transfers. I get two good young guys. We miss it with a guy that's still been here for three years, and we got a team. We got talent. And as long as we can shoot the three, we've got a chance. If we can play, we can play defense and we can shoot the three. We're in a whole different world, a whole different category. Both. And I think now that with that transfer portal, it's all just like we talk about Alabama football. Your their third string is start somewhere else in the country. You got guys and teams all across this country that can start that are not getting time for whatever reason. Like the Midnight Rider said, that transfer portal is mean now. You can put together something and you can make it run. You can yay. You can promise this guy you're gonna start. You're gonna, you know, you know, we can do this. You're gonna get some playing time. You know, you're gonna get showcase all this, that, and other. Now, with that being said, I think your championship is unfortunately UConn and Miami. I think that's your national championship because whoever comes from Florida Atlantic or San Diego State, I think you UConn is going. I think UConn is going to handle Miami. 
think UConn is on a mission. They're hot after they beat the brakes off Gonzaga. I think you're going to – I really think the Miami-UConn game is going to be a dogfight. But whoever comes on that other side, they might as well go home. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying the way UConn is playing, we already know they're well coached. And this is where when you put them teams together at the last minute, this is where when you get to a UConn, when you get to a, a Miami with, with some experience and some some coaching and, and, and guys that know that, that, that they're not going to make the mistakes. And you, once you make that mistake against UConn or Miami, you, now you're looking up, you're down 12. And now you're starting to panic. And, and they these teams have already been there. They've been there, done that. you you on this national stage. And, look, I'm pulling for those guys. I always pull for the underdog. But I just, you know, history. And, and, and UConn right now, after I saw what they did to Gonzaga, and I see them, you know, against my last pick, my last hurrah is Miami. But – I think I really think that's the national championship on that side. I think whoever comes from the other side is probably going to be a 15 point uh, loss. I really, I, I, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. If if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm eating crow like the big guy always do on the show, and I'm eating my crow with a little hot sauce, you know, maybe some green chili, you know. But uh, I, I'm just not feeling good about San Diego State and Florida Atlantic in a championship game. And I hope they prove me wrong. I love how y'all attack me. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> I, I got UConn winning the whole thing. I had UConn from the, from the start to win the whole thing. So UConn wins it all. It makes me look like a genius, no matter how, how much I had to go through for him to get there. It look, makes me look like a genius. So I'm okay with that. Uh, but I do see UConn and uh, Florida Atlantic in this championship game and i think it's gonna come down to the wire but you kind of pull it out now on the women's side you have number one south carolina number two iowa that's on friday also on friday is uh number one virginia tech versus number three lsu and i think lsu the lady uh tigers are one of the hottest teams in um in the tournament right now as far as south carolina they just so good. You just got to let them know, hey. Yeah. Cause we, they, we're I mean, definitely getting kicked off there in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even 30 seconds. But, you know, once South Carolina hits their stride, it's nothing you can do. And they played – Maryland played a damn good game against them Monday night. South Carolina is just too much. It's too much. They, they Those women are absolutely too much. I think Dawn Staley has become quite arguably the best coach in the country. And she's about to win, what, national championship number three? Whoa. I believe. Whoa, pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. Ain't no pump the brakes, they baby. I know what I know. Because Caitlin Clark – and the Purdue, uh, I mean, and her spot, Iowa, they can shoot it. And I think that's going that's going to be a very interesting matchup. That's that's the matchup I'm looking forward to because I think Brenda Freeze showed you some things. If you can invert your offense and pull the South Carolina bigs away from the um, the basket, run a little run a little um, UCLA action, maybe get to some back cuts, um, put your bigs on the um, on the um, wings of the free throw line. And start your offense like that, invert your offense. I think he got an opportunity. I think the thing that mer- hurt Merlin was everybody was in foul trouble. So everybody had like two fouls. Um, 
going into the the, the um, second quarter and on into the third. So they just ran out of bullets. Um, the Terps just didn't have enough bullets in the gun to, to, to keep that up. And I think that may have given somebody else a blueprint because now these coaches have a week to prepare for whatever they want to see. Um, LSU against Virginia Tech, I think Tech's a great story. But I think um, LSU will pull it out. And I see it as I would love to see Dawn get her another ring. So I'm going to go South Carolina versus um, LSU with South Carolina winning, um, just for my bracket sake. But I would never, I would not be shocked. Uh, the way that young lady from Iowa, Caitlin Clark, I think I'm saying her name right, the way she shot the basketball and the way she did her thing um, with her triple-double and the way that team just shot Louisville out the gym. Like Louisville just looked like they brought a um they were they were David. Unfortunately, this Goliath had more he wasn't getting hit in the eye. So that that was their downfall. Um those young ladies played ball, they scored, I think it was 97 to 80 something. And when you can score with that efficiency in the women's game, especially, it makes it more difficult if you can score the basket with any kind of efficiency. Um and sometimes the other ancillary stuff, good defense and 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 um rebounding. It becomes it goes to the backside because you're you're actually making those shots. So you don't have to really get those those rebounds that you normally have to get in, in certain situations. So um yeah, I, I I'm I'm actually looking forward to this final four. Boss BJ. Hey, I I I I wanna see Iowa. I wanna see Iowa and South Carolina. Um the the young lady from Iowa, the what she can do. And how she could shoot that basketball, and you know South Carolina disposed of Maryland. We're not the Lady Terps are really, really good team. You know what I'm saying? And like the Midnight Rider said, foul trouble is so, so big in these tournaments. When you get, you know, a couple players that got two, three fouls quick, and now you got to change the whole dynamic of how you're playing and who's playing. And you can't really go like you want to because you don't want that other foul. You know, that's really, really big. But I, I, I'm going to be working uh, Friday night at 9, but I got to figure out a way whether I got a, a ta- another tablet in the car or something. I want to watch that South Carolina-Iowa game. Now, on the other side, I'm, I think I'm, I'm rolling with LSU on the other side. I just think they what they bring and how they're playing now, I, I think they're, they're, there's, a, there's a strong they, – they, they just – they're just really good, man. They're really good. I'm not taking away anything from um, um, what is that? Is that me or y'all? That's me. Okay. I, I, unfortunately, one of my neighbors wants to blow their horn right now. Okay. And I'm, I'm not taking anything away from Tech. I know they're number one, but I just think LSU is playing really, really good right now. And I'm, and I, I think South Carolina edge out Iowa because South Carolina is so strong. Like, like you know, like KG said, Don Staley definitely, you know, um. On, on path to be, if she's not already there, in that Pat Summit here, you know that, uh, you know where where she just, she just got that thing oiled, man, and, and that that machine is moving. That's a machine in South Carolina, so I, I'm thinking of South Carolina LSU, but I wouldn't be surprised if Iowa coming there, like the Midnight Rider said, Maryland, and South Carolina. You got you got a little blueprint, you got a way to maybe throw them out of their rhythm a little bit. And and you know take advantage of them, but we'll see. I mean, you, when you say that, when another coach has that, a coach as good as Don Staley knows that 
and she's going to implement some stuff too to stop that and to to limit the weakness quote unquote if you if that is a weakness that you've seen versus the lady terps and i, I <laughs> that's pretty much what they doing it's like every every 45 seconds man but <clears throat> i will say this i agree with both of you gentlemen i think south south carolina is a powerhouse um if you had to put up the tiers of coaches and uh, on the women's side in college basketball of course you got gino and and, and pat summit are the, are the tops I don't know how much more time Gino Oriema has left to coach before he hangs it up. He hangs up his whistle. But before he hangs up his whistle, I think the, the, the torch will be passed if it hasn't been already <clears throat> to Don Staley. But I also think that Don Staley's uh, emergence as one of the best coaches in the country has probably lit a fire under him again because, you know, ever since Pat Summit passed on who who's been able to go shoulder to shoulder with Gino you know I think Brenda Freeze is but you got you know you got that upper echelon I think Brenda Freeze is right under that because she's got a contender every year so <clears throat> I think she's right under that and I think Dawn Staley and Brenda Freeze are on the same level because they they churn out such great players but they churn out such great teams too and then you know uh what's my uh uh God, um, from Baylor, uh, uh, uh McGraw, mm-hmm. she's on it. She's on that level as well. Uh, the coach from Notre Dame is moving up to that second level. So many yeah, coaches around the country, so many coaches <laughs> in the country are moving. You know, we're seeing a new crop of uh of the next the, the next round of legends that are coming into women's basketball. And ESPN said that women's basketball, the the the, the uh, women's tournament. The ratings are as high as they've been in years because everybody's tuning in. And these girls are, I'm sorry, these young ladies. My gerbil. I think it's the app because I've been having issues too. Uh Uh-oh. We lost a show administrator. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's the app tonight because I've, I've been going in and out and freezing, but um, we'll get the big guy KG back in a second. Um, but, you know, what he was saying about, you know, different tiers of coaches and stuff, like Brenda Freeze definitely has a contender every year. Um, you know, you, you know South Carolina is going to be there. But, you know, I think I think on both sides, I think the men and the women, I think you got really, really, really good final fours, really good game set up um, coming up. I think they're going to be very entertaining. Um, like I said, on the women's side, that Iowa-South Carolina matchup is that's going to be one you sit down, you get your food ready, you need drinks and stuff so you don't get bothered, you don't have to move. Um, and I think the same thing on the, um, U- the men's side, the UConn and Miami, I think it's going to be the same, same thing. Those are – they're going to go at each other. As it pay. You, If you're San Diego State or Florida Atlantic, you hope they drain each other enough for when you see them in the championship. You know, they they a little bit tired and they, they didn't beat each other up so much. But, um, yeah, I, I, I like both sides. I do. I do. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for this. I think, I think the best thing that helped the women's tournament was the fact that, you know, you didn't have South Carolina, Notre Dame, 
um, Stanford and Baylor as your one seeds. You know, you had Virginia Tech, you had Indiana, two teams that normally aren't there. Um, almost, to be honest with you, they would get the Deborah Cox experience as well because even though they played well all season, you're not used to those two schools being a powerhouse. And I think what's happening is the ladies' game is starting to level out a little bit more because the talent is starting to spread out a little bit more. Um, again, we're going back to the most important thing, the transfer portal is giving people opportunities. And, and you have coaches. I mean, I think this is one of the better years, personally, as I've watched the ladies' tournament, where just the coaching alone has been high quality. Um, some of the decision-making has been quality. And you get these ladies on the stage, and, and they're just showing out. And, and and when I made my bracket, I was a little um, presumptuous because normally the women stick more to the chalk nine times out of ten. And then – um, I met the the reality that the chalk the chalk isn't the chalk anymore because these teams have made moments and found themselves in places where they can they can be better than they normally are and the talent is so a little bit more even where um, you know you get a shooter from from here a shooter from there or a kid to transfer from here personal transfer from here you're in the hunt again and it's it's just. It's almost the guys' game is the women's game is starting to emulate the guys' game in the fact that we play outside in, and the fact that you don't you don't have to have the top recruits. If you get somebody that's fed up the way they are, you can get them in your program. And then I think Georgetown just got a kid from um, uh, Providence, kid that committed to um, Ed Cooley at Providence. Now he's going to Georgetown. So that's already a place where you're you're getting the talent infused in a program that, I mean, they struggle to find talent. They struggle to play as a team. And and before before we move on, the only the only coaches that are going to complain about this transfer portal is the ones that had these stacked teams. Good coaches aren't going to complain about. It. They're going to find their talent. They're going to find players that fit their system. Now the ones that had all Americans on the bench and this that, and the other, and they they screaming all oh, this transfer portal and these NIL deals aren't fair. You're gonna start hearing a whole bunch of that because, like the Midnight Rider said, the, you're gonna start seeing teams that aren't your normal powerhouses like San Diego State and Florida Atlantic that end up in the Final Four, and you're like, hold on, where is Duke? Where is North Carolina? Where is you know, Purdue, where is, you know, these, the, the, these schools I'm used to seeing, where are these schools at? And I think this is the, I love the transfer portal because for too long, these coaches have bolted for another school, more money, and these players get left behind, you know, in limbo. And now the players, the playing field is even on that. And these players are going to be like, oh, you're leaving. I'm leaving too. I'm going somewhere else where, you know, I, I want to be now. Cause I, I, I got recruited by you, came here to play for you, and you're gone. You took the, you know, you took your money, you made your business deal. I got to do the same thing, and I that's that's fair. I agree one thousand uh, percent. Sorry for the technical difficulties. We had a whole blackout. Somehow, some way, the the uh, the Wi-Fi was like, yeah, I'm not gonna work anymore. <clears throat> so, uh, hire better gerbils. Yeah. Uh, you know, instead of me having just one, I think I might have to get two. Now we that, one ger- that one gerbil in the cage dying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are coming up on opening day of the MLB season. 
three new rules, bigger bases, uh, pitch clock, everything. Uh, the Midnight Rider is here to give you our 2023 baseball preview. Sir, you have the floor. No, no, no. You got to stay in here for a second. Because there's a kid. That's no problem. No, 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 no. I want you to hear this because I don't want you to think I'm, I'm starting anything. This kid, Anthony Volk, that the New York Yankees have playing shortstop, if he can do, if he can just hit, you guys got you a superstar. The next 10 years, next 20 years, he's he's your shortstop of the future. Another Derek Jeter. No, no, he's better. He's better. He's better. I mean, come on. Okay, well, what? What are Derek we talking Jeter, about? I'm not even going to this with you. The Derek kids got better. Best, stop. best shortstop okay, in baseball. Okay, so see, you, you're trying to derail me. Let's get back on point. So I'm going to start with the team that I've abused all summer, I mean, all um, fall, all winter, and that's the Washington Nationals. Um, at some point, I thought 58, 59. But I'm, I got some hope, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if it was like the 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 I'm up with hope, down with dope. Um I think this team will win 71 ball games or 72 ball games. And the reason why is when I watched them pitch the last couple of nights, you don't have the kid Johan Adone who couldn't throw the ball across the plate starting the season out. Um, you don't have like two other guys that you've never heard of pitching for this team. Um, it looks like Patrick Corbin may be back. And even if he's not a good starter or a great starter, anything you get from him that's above him being a god-awful starter can actually put you in place in contention. You play much better defense. Uh, you got some hope. You got the kid um, Garcia and uh, C.J. Abrams up the middle. Gives you a lot better defense. Uh, Candelaro gives you a decent arm at third. Dominic Smith gives you a good glove at first. So I can see this team winning 71, 72 ball games, uh, but just not have that dominant pitcher to get them through. Now, with that being said, the team that wins the NL East will be the Braves. They just have way too much talent. It's just I can't I can't go away from it. Um, and after that, it's going to be the Phillies with their lineup and their bullpen. And then um, struggling to hold on to that, that last playoff spot. It's going to be the Mets. In the Central, um, I think Jordan Walker for St. Louis is another person that has the opportunity to steal the spotlight. Uh, he's a young prospect, but he's coming up. He should get plenty of bats. And I think St. Louis wins that division. And I think Milwaukee takes the wild card there. So you got your three wild cards and your two regulars. And unfortunately, actually, no, I'm going to take that back. I'm not going to do that to Milwaukee. Because the West has the Dodgers and the Padres. So those two are definitely getting in. I don't care what you say. Um, the Padres just has a lineup that it looked like they just said, if you ever play shortstop in your life, come play for us. They're going to have one of the most athletic infields and outfields in baseball. Uh, and as long as their pitchers get the ball across the plate and just pitch the contact, they're going to be something special. Now, when we switch over to NL, it's going to be a little bit different. Um in the East, my surprise playoff team is the Orioles. I think the Orioles will find enough pitching, and they'll have enough young guys coming up like Gunnar Richardson and company. I think they're actually going to give them a spark, and they'll be the third wild card team. 
So they'll finish somewhere like 84 and um and 78 or something like that. I think that's the right math. Uh, they'll finish somewhere in that range and they'll get the third wild card spot. Um, of course, the Yankees will get win the, the um East, and then um I think Toronto falls off too much, and I'm gonna go with the Rays as the other team that's gonna be in the hunt for that. And then when we go to the central, it's the Indians because the Indians played last year. They had the most players have their debut in Major League Baseball than any team in um, baseball history. Uh, the who? The Cleveland Indians. Oh, I'm sorry. The Guardians. There you I apologize. go. I apologize. You. 30 years of calling my team the Indians, I apologize for not getting the new team name right. Um, but the Guardians and I think, I think the Twins – come out next out of that. And then out West, it's just the Astros. So that means that the Seattle Mariners will miss the playoffs. And it means that the LA Angels will miss the playoffs. And even though they have Shohei Itani and and Mike Trout, they just don't have the pitching. And the only way I can see them getting there is they need a, a strong 125 games from a young guy named Anthony Rendon. And he hasn't given to him since he's been out there. So unless he comes back to earth or comes back to who he used to be, I see it. I see the Angels missing the playoffs again. It's another disappointment for baseball because your two best players, Otani and um, Trout, aren't in the playoffs. And I can see them actually making a deal to either move Trout at the at the All-Star break or the trade deadline, I should say. Hey, that's yes, heavy right there, man. That is heavy. You gotta pay Otani. You gotta pay Otani. I get it, but that is heavy. Moving you're Mike paying, paying Anthony Rendon like 250-300. You're paying um Trout like 350-300. And then if you gotta pay Otani, Otani wants 500. So how where's the money gonna work? One of those two aren't gonna be there. Mike Trout has been their, their 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 golden boy for how many seasons now? You know, it was Mike Trout versus uh, Bryce Harper for so long, and they battled. If I'm not mistaken, they battled for uh, Rookie of the Year, and everybody was talking about how Mike Trout was so much better. He's so much better. He's so good. He's so good. He's better. He's better. He's better. And what's crazy is I thought Bryce Harper was better, but as we go along, look like Trout's better. No, 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 no. Bryce Harper's better. Bryce Harper, outside of this this UCL, Bryce Harper's been in most ball games and played most of the season. So it's it's Bryce. Um, for me personally, it's Bryce, and it's not close. But I mean, <laughs> we all know who the best player in baseball is. He wears twenty two on his back. Full full letter word. Rhymes with Moto. Soto, that's the best player in baseball. I will argue that to the day I turn, I'll turn blue in the face arguing with anybody about Soto. Soto has the best. Not everything. I'm sorry, because because that's when we disrespectful to Ken Griffey Jr. Soto has to bring this. That's 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Disrespect for Ken Griffey Jr. Who will be the third highest player paid on the Cincinnati Reds this year? Who Lord, these deferred contracts, boy. 
I love it. Oh, this year, this year coming up, it the it's the start hitting the Nets. You got mm. sure you got like four guys that get their deferred payments from the Nets this year. So it's not gonna be just Bobby Bonilla day. No, because um Bobby Bonilla get his money, somebody else is getting their money from the Orioles. It's sure so many money. Guys that ain't played in years. Ken Griffey ain't played in what? Uh, Has it been 15, almost 20 years? Mm -hmm. But you're telling me (laughs) that he's the third highest paid player on the Reds. Says a lot. Well, that's not saying a lot, though. No, because their payroll is like really, really small. They they play really, they, they, I, I don't like, let me, let me rephrase that. This probably has to do with me being a Yankee fan. But I don't like that you have this money and you don't spend it like the Nats do. You have money, you don't spend it. And the Nats is a team that will benefit no, from. Wait, no, no. You finish your statement because no, no. I'm going to say that the Nats issue isn't like the Nats have money, but they don't have money because they still haven't gotten TV money for the last 10 years. So they're, they're in a hole probably somewhere between – 200 and 300 million that they should have gotten just in TV revenue alone. Yeah. Um, then when you think about the fact that you win the world series and you don't have fans in the stands the following season. So you can't even coop any money from you being a world champion like that. I think that's the thing that kills them. Now the learners cheap. Yes. Are the learners um, hard to deal with? Yes. Is are the learners going to sell? Maybe, but it's only if they get the number they want. I'm convinced now. Uh, it's another problem they have is this TV deal just won't go away, and until um, Manfred grows a sack of balls and, and actually says for the best interest of the game and my product, this can't go on. It's it's not gonna happen, and this team is gonna struggle, and this team isn't gonna sell. And now the best thing that happened this the last two weeks is the Nats um, bought out the free agency years or the the I'm sorry. The arbitration years of Key Bear Ruiz. That's a big sign. Whether you know it or not, they haven't, they've tried to do this in the past. It didn't work out. Um, I know they tried to get Desmond signed, they tried to get Jordan Zimmerman signed, and it just didn't work the way they wanted it to work. So this situation now is a little bit better and brings some hope along the way. So that's yeah. the quick preview. Now, now, what I was gonna say is that maybe the Nets. And I'm, I'm talking to a Nats fan and a Nats supporter and yourself, the fan that being the boss, BJ, the supporter being you. Uh, maybe they could benefit from the old Yankee ways of the great George Steinbrenner. Throw money at the problem. It, it works. I mean, hell, look how many championships we won by throwing money at it. Well, the, the difference is your guy is Rizzo, who's a baseball lifer. And Rizzo, if if Rizzo was given the resources that some of these other teams that had, the Nats 2019 wouldn't have been the first time the Nats won a championship. And I know Eric will, if he's watching, he's going to get my, my case on this, but I'm dead serious. If this team had better resources um, from, from the front office standpoint, instead of you bringing in a Rafael Soriano, um, instead of you bringing in a um, uh, Matt Melinson or Melanson, um, and you brought in some quality guys, I think you had better opportunities, you know, and it's just one of those things where 
in baseball, it's it's about the pitching at times. And if you can get you a closer that's going to lock it down, instead of going get the um, the Harper Strangler, maybe you get somebody else that's going to be a better teammate. And I think that's the other part of the rub with them was I think Harper wasn't a good enough teammate. Um, and I think that's part of the problem. So I thought he was – I thought he – when he left, it was addition by subtraction. I can agree with that because look what the addition was. It was a World Series trophy. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, boss, you got anything to say about this baseball preview? No, sir. I'm just sitting back, listening and loving. Uh, you know. Right. One more I, thing. I, go ahead. No, no. I just I, I forgot. I can't leave this without the 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 centerpiece of the Nats organization right now, and that's um, Joey Manessis. Because I think Manessa is gonna he's gonna hit you somewhere between 25 and 30 home runs. He's gonna get you 85 to 90 RBI. And that's another reason. He's another reason why I feel like this team can get to a point where they can win 70 ball games. Um, you got Josiah Gray. I think if you saw today Mackenzie Gore, um, the kid they picked up from San Diego, if they can get some luck health-wise, I think that's that number 70 is very attainable. I'm good. I'm done. I'm sorry. I don't have anything else. I swear. Mute monster. Yeah, got me. Number 70. You said that number 70. Yeah. Jesus. Like, I'm. I'm that's a bad thing. Woo. That's mm. not high hopes, but for this team, that's their ceiling. 70 to 75 is their ceiling. Okay. And what this will emulate is the year that they went 81 and 81, I want to say, when Soriano hit the 50 bombs. And had the 50 steals. I think that's about the same that, that that's the same kind of progression they can make. The question would be, can they duplicate it the next year and take a step forward after that? Because then that's when you start getting the kids from the San Diego deal um coming up and actually um being in the majors and playing in the outfield. Well, maybe you can instead of you having Elaine Thomas, you got um, I think it's Robert Hudson and I probably butchering his name and I apologize for that. But um you got him coming up and he's batting second in your lineup, um setting the table for Manessis, setting the table for Dominic Smith. Uh and I think Dominic Smith, the first time he's gonna be able to get him four hundred at bats, he's gonna show a little something that he didn't get to show with the Mets. So maybe I'm 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 wishing on the star. Um but I I, I think that's gonna be something that's gonna that has an opportunity, and that's why I'm a little more excited than I was before for 70 wins. Aim low, score high. That's how I look at it because uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not an expert, but the Nats have a propensity. I think I'm using that word right. If I'm not, I'm a damn Philistine. I know right. I'm using that one right. But they have the, uh, the propensity to come out and lag and then all of a sudden after all-star break, shoot out the gate and start catching everybody. And next thing you know, they're in the wild card on they're in that uh that playing game and they win that and then they go make it past the first round, and then next thing you know, they're in the NLCS. And basically they're singing Deborah Cox. Everybody's like, How did you get here? And then whoever the team is at that time that's facing them in the NLCS. Uh, in the NLCS, they pull a Bianca Belair and say, you don't even go here and bounce them right on about it with a sweep. But it, it's just what the Nats do. 
And I love it, it when the Nats win, it puts such a grip on the city because we're not getting the commanders winning on a consistent basis. The Wizards are not winning on a consistent basis. We're starved for a winner in DC. When the Nats win, it's kind of like in basketball when the Lakers and the Celtics are on top. Everything's right in the world. Pork bellies are high. Stocks are high. You know, love is high. People getting married more. Uh, you know, people are happy. They're willing to speak to each other and, and love each other unconditionally when the Lakers and the Celtics are winning. In baseball, when the Nats are winning, that's how the city is. You know, the 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 the, the younger crowd is running around talking about kill mode. And you funny down and all that. And then the older crowd's like, come on, Joe, you lunching. But it's all everybody just coming together in DC. That's what it is. It's just a, a it's a love fest in DC when they win. I'm just saying, we stall for a winner. Uh-oh. Oh, there we go. Last but not least. Last but not least. The commanders have not one, but two bids of six billion dollars. For the sale. Now, this is coming from ESPN and Adam Schefter. The Josh Harris Mitchell Rails Group, which now includes Magic Johnson, has officially submitted a fully financed bid for the Washington Commanders that meets Daniel Snyder's $6 billion asking price. A source told Adam Schefter on Tuesday. Now, I'm going to butcher this dude's name. Canadian billionaire Steve. Come on, you can do it. Who you got to sign a, a, a post apocalypse, a post apocalyptic? I say, Connor Walchuk. <laughs> Look, Connor Walchuk has always been easy to say because it's one of my favorite players. So I can say Connor Walchuk all day long. But uh, he has submitted a fully funded six billion dollar offer for the Commanders as well. If either bid is accepted, the deal will break the previous record sale for a franchise set last August when a group led by Walmart and Rob Walton bought the Denver Broncos for $4.65 billion. Um, Tillman Ferretta, owner of the NBA's Houston Rockets, also is interested in purchasing the Commanders. There's another anonymous group that has also toured the facilities multiple sources involved in the process of told ESPN. Once Daniel Snyder accepts an offer, he must submit the bidder's name to the NFL for approval. Three quarters of the owners would need to approve any sale. The Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment also owns the Philadelphia 76ers and the New Jersey Devils. Harris and David Blitzer also own part of the Crystal Palace FC of the English Premier League. Um, you know, we talked about Josh Harris. He grew up in Bethesda, co-founder Apollo Management in 1990, an asset firm. And he has a net worth of $5.8 billion, according to Forbes. Uh, Rails, a DC billionaire, is also part of Harris's group, and his net worth is 5.5 billion, according to Forbes. Uh, a post-apocalypto. I'm gonna. I gotta find out how to pronounce this dude's name. Uh, but the Canadian billionaire is a managing partner of Triple Group of Companies, a Toronto-based property management firm. He also founded Six Ventures Incorporated, a private equity venture firm. Uh, he co-founded Carry Capital with business partner Jason Sawyer. He attended Harvard and has also looked into buying the NBA Charlotte Hornets before focusing solely on the commanders. 
His father, Andres, died two years ago at 69 with, a, with the family having a net worth of $3.9 billion, according to the Globe and the Mail. Whew. It's some money being made around here. Uh, thoughts on that, fellas? I mean, I, I just kind of think that if you get a yeah. the, the, the Canadian billionaire, ready. I think if he comes in here. If B's ready, I'd rather go last on this. Uh oh. Can you hear me? They're losing. Yeah, I'm. I'm in here. I'm in here. Um. Jeez. I mean, Kids. we kind of, we kind of, kind of already talked about, you know, what the. Oh the, my god. Oh, can you, you hear me? You still? You. We can hear you. Oh, I can hear you. God. I don't know about KG. You. Uh, me well, and you we, were good. Okay, we've been having some technical difficulties, so we we definitely apologize. We'll get the big guy KG back. Up and loaded, but um, you know, we, are we there now? You can you hear us? Can you hear me? Anybody? I can hear you. Okay, you're good. I got you. Um, geez, the night of all nights for the Wi-Fi to act up on the last segment. Um, I just think anybody that comes in and has more money than Jerry Jones is not getting approved. What you fellas think? Well, what about the other um, the former Duke player that that put in the bid with the group for it? Wasn't it seven billion? You talking about Brian Davis? That's yeah, yeah. So, so that's why I'm gonna go last. I'll, I'll okay, talk. Okay. All right. So, we we talked about this on one of the previous episodes, just what the new owner was is gonna have to go through, and it's just kind of weird that both of the bids go in at the same day. Was this the day that the bid was due? I mean, you would think if you want the team, you would put your bid in, be first, you know, get all the your 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 T's crossed and your eyes dotted. So, um. You know, I guess it's up to the NFL to figure out which one of these groups, um, I guess, are better for the commanders. I know we 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 were drooling over the the, the group with Magic Johnson. Um, I still think that's probably the better better group. But um, you know, whoever takes it over, it seems like they have the financial the financials to get it done. It's just, um, are you ready for the aftermath of what you have to do? for this organization to get it back up to par. Now, we already talked about that. So at this point, I guess it's just picking. I mean, if both is $6 billion, is it be going? is it going to become a bidding war? Is somebody going to do 6 and a half, 6.8, 7? You know, is it going to go up? Or is the NFL going to be like, hey, that's good enough? And we're going to pick between these two guys to, to figure it out. So that's all I got, man. We already talked about this. So, so I know there's, from what I've heard, all day today, Apostolopoulos, um, his group, there's questions about the financing and the money. Um, the Brian Davis situation, I'm concerned because I think that might have been a plant more so than anything else. Um, maybe to try to drive the number or something like that. Because I think right now we're at the point of misinformation more so than information. And, I, and the reason I say that is because... Um, at the pace this has been moving, I think they kind of are narrowed down to who who they want to go with or who they're thinking about. Uh, and I think the fact that we're hearing these bids now, we're probably 30 days behind the process. Uh, I think this is a very tape-delayed conversation because this is supposed to be so um, top-end, high-secret, you know, high-security. Um, this isn't really something that should be common knowledge. So you're starting to get conversations of a conversation 
if you remember that game we played in school where you tell one person something in the front of the room, and by the time you get to the back of the room, that conversation is totally different. I think we're playing that game right now. So I think that's where we are. So some of these bids aren't real time. And I think sometimes some of this, the 7 million stuff is kind of Dan's last chance to try to get somebody to just jump in at the last minute and try to, you know, pay him all big time. Because I think he's, I think whatever he makes out of this, half of that is gone. Because between court calls, between lawsuits, whatever, I think he loses half. So he's trying to maximize what he can walk away with. Yeah, I think, you know, if it was true and he was trying to get some type of immunity once he left that team, once he leaves his team and every all that, that cloud is going with him. <laughs> That's, you know what I'm saying? He's he's the bad apple. He's the rotten apple. So once he leaves, there's going to be a cloud, a uh, big hurricane, tornado, storm cloud that follows him. And he's going to have a lot to deal with after afterwards. But that ain't got nothing to do with the commanders after he's gone. They get to start fresh and get the new owner in here and start trying to rebuild this organization. Well, the bad thing is that's true, but the bad part is Dan Snyder is still doing Dan Snyder things. Um, I don't know if you caught the text or the tweet from Nikki Giovallo um, today where uh, Ursay was having his um, session with the, the guys or the the media and the problem was that when he was talking to the media, one of Dan Snyder's henchmen uh, was actually recording the session. So there's concern that, yeah, yeah. So one of his guys kind of recorded the thing, and then the reporters started turning on him, and he kind of just walked away. And, you know, this is a, a classic Snyder technique where they start following people. They start having private investigators on your on your case. So they can try to discredit you as, as much as possible. And I, I I I I'm actually curious because I feel like at some point this year, when I say this year, between um when he sells the team in August, there's gonna be some story, there's gonna be something that comes out where maybe some information is leaked because he's done this before. He did this with the Shanahan's. Um, he's had that moment where allegedly he put the milk in. Uh, the learner suite, uh, and they rotted and they were throwing up the whole time. Like he's had these incidents um, and these moments where his pettiness has gotten the best of him. And that's really going to be, unfortunately for him, that's going to be the storyline of his legacy. His legacy is not going to be the guy that, that bought the most story franchise and, and carried it on and, and, and led the legacy of continuing the history. He's going to be the guy that burned the building down. He's going to be the Humpty Dumpty that failed. And now now whoever this new owner is trying to put together this Washington franchise, its legacy and its history back together again so we can get something that is real. And I don't know if you guys watched the defenders game last night, but football in D.C. is a thing. It's real. It's energetic. It's got like, – like they're building it, and they're building something from scratch. And I think the hardest part for the commanders slash Redskins during their move was they didn't give anything a chance to build organically. So so you can't change the team name because I think there's a rule where you have to keep the same jersey scheme for five years or something like that in the NFL. And I'll double check that. But I know I saw something to that effect. So if you're looking for a name change, it's not going to happen. 
So you're going to be commanders for at least five years before anything can be done, changed, switched, or anything like that. And then meanwhile, in the midst of this, you got to find a way. Like we said before on the shows in the past, when we talked about how we would change this, you got to build a legacy. You got to build some kind of storyline and, and, and things that this franchise is going to grab onto, the fans are going to grab onto, and, and, and um, create a legacy or create a definition of who and what Washington Commanders football is. It's funny you say that because I've been sitting here battling with the internet and I'm back now. <laughs> but the stink that Daniel Snyder is going to leave in this town when he leaves, and everybody's going to be happy to see him go. Haven't seen one fan, one person that's not happy to see him go. However, the boy billionaire, which is what he is, he's worth $4.9 million. That's what he is, a boy billionaire. <clears throat> Shout out to Bruce Wayne. But the taste that the, the, the nasty taste he's left in the fan base's mouth because of his pettiness, because of being conniving and back, excuse me, backstabbing and 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 just being all around sourpuss. Who's gonna who who's not gonna throw a parade? I think they're gonna actually have a parade when he sells his team and it's official. They're gonna have a parade in DC. Well, JP Finley and Brian Mitchell show has already um pretty much put that in stone. Tailgate Ted, wherever this this ends, I think they're gonna try to do the RFK site and it's gonna end there. And like they're gonna have a big tailgate, they're gonna have a party. This is this is this is ding dong, the witch is dead, you know what I'm saying? Um Whatever else you can think of from a nursery rhyme when the evil monster dies and and everybody comes out of hiding, this is it. This is the moment. The moment. It's not here now, but we're on the precipice of that moment. I get it. I was trying to use that word all the whole time. <laughs> oh man! But I am, uh, as a Washington fan, I would be quite happy. I never wanted. Daniel Snyder to take this team in the first place. I wanted this team to go to John Kent Cook. That's who I wanted to take this team. Because I don't know. Growing up, being a Jack Kent Cook fan, and then when his son took over and just hearing him talk, and he was not the cutthroat that his father was, but he was just a guy that just you just like. And I was like, yeah, that's the owner I would love to play for. Because you just like the guy. He sat there and at games and he watched games. He didn't criticize anybody, didn't talk shit. He was about putting, you know, bringing the legacy back. You spending that kind of money, you talking shit to somebody. Man. It might oh, not yeah. be on camera. Yeah. You know, but, you know, that, that they come down that tunnel. But when did you see Jack Ken Cook ever talk shit to somebody on camera? Right. No, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you never really saw Dan say it on camera. You heard of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you heard of it with Jack Ken Cook too because, uh, 91 when Rippin was holding out, he called him a bloody idiot. And you know, they say Rippin got the message loud and clear and came in and was like, All right, and then he held out again the next year. <laughs> oh man, but I just Dame Snyder leaving town, probably the best thing that happened to DC 
since Who's gone yet? Baseball came back. <laughs> he ain't gone that, yet. No, not yet. But when it happens, I think that'll be the best thing since baseball. No, that'll be the best thing since the Caps and the Nationals won titles back to back. Yeah, I'm, I'm there with you on that. Yeah, that'll be the best. It'll be rank up there with that. You know, you're gonna wake up in the morning. It's gonna happen overnight, and it's gonna be announced, and the sun's gonna look brighter. The wind's going to feel a little bit cooler. The The commute to work is going to be a little bit easier. Your work day at your stressful job is going to seem not so stressful because you got one less thing to worry about. So, you know, the funny thing is this owner walks in with a free five-year window. Like, as long as he doesn't pull his pants down and moons the people from his suite, or he tells somebody to kiss his ass, or he doesn't use the N-word, he pretty much has a free five years to do whatever he can. He wants to do because there's going to be this great... Just because Snyder's gone, there's going to be this... And it's not going to be as much as I thought it would be, but there's going to be a group of fans that just comes back just because he's not there anymore. And then there's still going to be the group that's still stuck out there because... They love the Redskins, and they're going to say Redskins to the day they die. And I don't care what you call these people, they're the Redskins. It's so an that's actual the group. group. That's the group that you're going to have to win. It's and an it, actual it, it, group on Facebook that's like that. They they refuse to call them the Commanders, the Commodores, anything. All I know is the Redskins, and it's the Redskins, this is the Redskins. that, And what they'll do is even when the team is winning, they'll still criticize the team. I'm not watching that bullshit, but you criticizing the team that you're not supposed to be watching. If you're not watching, don't watch. I respect anybody that say they don't want to call them the commanders. You don't want to watch. You don't support the team. But then you turn around and you criticize them by winning. Oh, when we was the Redskins, we didn't have, oh, no, it's no longer we, remember? You right. left the fan base. Now, if you come back, okay, come back. But you're talking about something that we can't control. We can't control them being called the, the commanders. We didn't like them being called the football team. All we knew was yeah, see, again, that's that's the dynamic and the 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 um the definition of this 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 Snyder led organization. Like they did nothing proactively. There's no way this team should have ended up with the list of names without certain names being available to them. Because if he didn't, if he had just said, hey, you know what? Hey, Scott in accounting or Tim in, in, in marketing, let's pick 10 names and let's, and let's at least own the rights to these names. So just in case something comes up, because we don't know what the future holds, we can move in that direction. He would have been fine. But they let some guy squat on like 10 or 15 names. Um, that the team wanted to use. So that's that was mistake one. And that's been the dynamic of his legacy the whole time is he's never done anything proactively. He missed out on trading Kirk for, for a first-round pick. He missed out on trading Trent for more than a third. He missed out on trading Scherf for more than a third. That was my fault. The whole Trent thing, that was my fault. That was my fault. BJ will tell you. I got on these airwaves weekly. 
mend the damn fence, whatever Trent want, do what he needs to get him back here. We need to, he's the best left tackle in football. We don't need to be without him. We still have yet to replace him. Yeah, but that's that's not that's more so the fact that when Ron came here, Ron didn't Ron didn't kiss the ring for Trent. Um and he asked Trent to give him a year or whatever the scenario was. And, and and I think that just wasn't there because Trent lost all hope or credibility, or actually they lost all credibility when he had to have the surgery. Yeah. And and then once that happened, right. And I think that began making more of a um a gap or wedge between them and him coming back. And then when Ron said you gotta prove it, he was like, Well, dog, if you just you don't see like the scar here, like that that's proof enough. And I think the, those two guys came at different positions. And I also still say that Snyder had his piece in that with his pettiness that he didn't allow he didn't allow Ron to negotiate with Trent in good faith. And and that I think became evident because you settled for a third, I think it was, for Trent. Where there's no way in the world for the best left tackle at the time, you end up with a third round pick as your conversation. It's because you cut your you cut your nose off to spite your face. Agreed. Really, uh, San Francisco got a deal, a bargain, and you know they've been in what has been three seasons. They've been in two NFC Championship games in three seasons. Washington mm-hmm. has sniffed the playoffs once. So, uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here, fellas? Um, Thursday. What's the what's the program? Thursday is our WrestleMania pre-show extravaganza. I uh, got some the more the merry. Got some guests lined up. I ain't even guests. They got a shelf in the refrigerator too. I got some hosts lined up, and we're gonna talk about WrestleMania, which is coming up this weekend. And the WrestleManiacs will be taking over the airwaves on Saturday night after night one, Sunday night after night two, and possibly even Monday night after all, if everybody is still uh, functioning at a high level. Because <laughs> I know we're not going to be. <laughs> not after two oh, nights of late shows? Nah, y'all not. Yeah, I, you might as well make hey. that is, either that's a Tuesday showcase or you, we do a Wednesday special. We do a no, Wicked Wednesday. What was it? I want to say it was 20. Had to be 2019. It was our first WrestleMania as the WrestleManiacs. The People's Choice Don Rodriguez had me on. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, our normal Saturday show. Then we came with a post uh, a post WrestleMania show that Sunday. And, and it didn't end until like 1.30 in the morning. So we're sitting there trying not to fall asleep, trying to do a show. And we we, we was like, we're going to go 15 minutes. That 15 minutes turned into 45. And we were exhausted because we were up late every night that, that week. We burned the candle at both ends and in the middle. That's the dedication that the sideline junkies, the WrestleManiacs, that's the dedication we show when it comes to these shows. So, but... Thursday, we are putting the show together, and we're going to talk about WrestleMania, what's coming up, and I can't wait. 
hopefully uh on the 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 the, the post shows on saturday maybe saturday only but sunday everybody can join us and we can you know maybe we can throw a watch party and watch this daggone thing online but either way that's what we got on thursday oh sorry so unb if y'all i don't know who your curry is but if you have t-mobile don't forget to um go ahead and update your mlb tv subscription because you get it free for the season if you do it i think between now and the end of the week but it might be just today because it's that you know that t-mobile tuesday thing mm. so i would recommend going sooner than later to check that out because i already renewed mine and watch the spring training game today at Nats park between the yanks so that's why i think anthony vote is going to be a superstar i watched that game that kid's gonna be amazing mm. that's it boss I don't really have too much, man. I was listening to y'all talk about the whole commander situation. And, you know, I agree 100% with everything we, we talked about. Um, unfortunately, I do not have T-Mobile, so I'll be pirating some games. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say that on air. But, uh, yeah, I'll be watching games in the most unique way. And, um, yeah, I'm trying to, trying to you know, I got to work this weekend hard, but I, I was trying to figure out a way to – uh, watch some WrestleMania, so a couple of matches I want to see. But, um, yeah, uh, Saturday, probably won't be able to watch too much Saturday, but Sunday I'm going to try to get a, a good amount of uh, WrestleMania. So that's all I got. Well, for everybody that joined us tonight, everybody that commented, uh, appreciate it. Of course, like we always say, like, subscribe. Catch us up on, on catch up with us on every platform you listen to uh, podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, whatever you use, we on it. So for the Midnight Rider, oh, wrong side for the Midnight Rider, and then over there for the boss BJ, I'm the big guy KG. You know we do. We don't do no overtime, baby. We are out of here. It is.